Today on Locked On Canadians, I'm back and I have a special guest to help me do the three up and three down for this week for the week that I missed. And we're going to talk Caulfield. We're going to talk Gooley. So much stuff coming up on today's Locked On Canadians. Your Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 702 of Locked On Canadians. Thank you for making us your first listen or first watch of every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Laura Saba. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined today not by Scott Matla, who, after carrying the show last week, is taking a well-deserved night off to uh, engage with with Steelers fans. I don't know. I got to work tonight. I think I got the better end of that deal. Um, and I have a special guest, honorary Locked On Canadians host, Kyle Demetrius, is back. It's been a while, and he's going to help me do the three up and three down for this week. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm good. It's lunchtime because uh, I live in Australia now. So as I look out the window, <laughs> it's like 20 degrees. Uh, no, I'm good. Just, you know, here to talk about Habs hockey. My dad is uh, very excited for the future, but he's old, so he wants it to come faster than it probably will, which is a pretty funny thought. <laughs> I think I think we're impatient too a little bit. Uh, one thing that I have noticed, I was away, obviously, as some of you who are regular listeners uh, noticed, I was not here. I was at a, on a work trip and I was trying to follow along with all the Hab storylines in between work and all kinds of team building events and things like that. And I kept noticing that people were kind of getting impatient because the Canadians didn't win a single game of the preseason. Um, and we all knew that this was going to be a bad team. But somehow when the losses actually start materializing, it does make people upset. And I, I noticed some people were kind of down on Slavkovsky. Every time I turn around, there's a new person, new player that they were not hopeful about. So I thought today we would talk a little bit about some positives. And off the top, I really want to talk about Kirby Doc and Cole Caulfield. One, because Kirby Doc has kind of um, sort of uh, endeared himself better to the fan base with uh, some of his uh, the advances that he's made throughout the preseason. And Cole Caulfield is, I mean, he's just amazing, right? He's just amazing. What can you say? Uh, no, Cole Caulfield is the absolute truth. That snipe of the most recent... They played the Sens too many times in a row, which we'll talk about later, but um, all the games kind of like meld together at this point. So it's just like one big, long Senators <laughs> dive fest, and you're just like, oh my God. Um, but I think he scored the first goal of the last game. Um, I believe it was on the power play, but it's an absolute rip. And... I know it's preseason and my personal views on preseason is it literally doesn't matter. It's just for figuring out who has the skills to play or a guy getting back from energy injury. Um, like Nick Suzuki, for instance, I don't think he's played in the preseason. He's pulling the, the Saku, I think it was Saku Kuebu who never played in the, in the preseason. <laughs> Over um, either. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, just luminaries to follow. <laughs> and, and it doesn't really matter. I think Columbus went, undefeated like two years in a row or one year and then ended up being like the worst team in the league or something like that it, it and honestly the preseason doesn't matter it's just for figuring out different things heading into the season obviously you want good vibes but it doesn't matter but what does matter is individual plays and, and how players are looking coming off the summer um and especially after a down year last year but Cole Caulfield is I don't know if he'll be in the rocket conversation this year I think there's there's definitely a greater than zero chance that he is um, but I think that's a guy who's an easy 40 goals 
every year in his prime, um, however long that prime lasts. But like the way that he releases the puck and his shots are just, it's insane. And the way he finds space, um, the, the way that he moves without the puck, I, I think this is everything that you would hope for, especially from the 15th pick. Um, 15? 15, yeah. I think. Um, it's everything you hope for. And if him and Suzuki and whoever their running mate on the other side is a long-term, probably Slavkovsky, if they can make the magic happen, I think you're looking at like a 50 goal guy, um, a 50 goal threat at least. And it is just good to see after the Rocky start last year, how he's carrying over the Marty St. Louis effect from the end of last season into this season. So it's, it's going to be exciting to watch Cole Caulfield do stuff on ice. Yeah, and that was the thing is that one of the one of the knocks on him has been a little bit not just his size but his defensive play. But I think one thing that people don't realize is that first of all, that's not really his responsibility. But when he's called upon it, he will do it. Right? It's not like he's he out there. Yeah, exactly. Like he does put in an effort. He's not completely useless on that end. It's just that you're not putting him on there, you know, in, in those big defensive minutes. And I think that's fine. Um, and, and one thing that I did also want to kind of talk about is that we we talked a lot about Slavkovsky last week. Or Scott did. I didn't. Um, and there's a new article that came out uh, where Arpen Basu interviewed Ken Hughes about Slavkovsky. So we're going to talk about that and some of the development stuff tomorrow with Scott uh, because I don't want to deprive him of that conversation. Uh, so we are going to turn our attention to Kirby Doc, which... Uh, started out, I think, kind of an unknown quantity, and people in the first couple of games were not super, super impressed with him, but he seems to be getting more comfortable on the ice and finding his zone and finding his, uh, like, what he's good at and using what he's good at, because I think that was a criticism early on in the preseason was that he's not using what he's good at, right? And I think that he's done a lot to kind of endear himself a little bit more to the fan base and show a little bit more promise and show a little bit more about what the Canadians saw in him when they traded for him. Yeah. And I mean, like he's six, four, 200 pounds is what he's listed as. Um, I'm sure he's a little bit heavier than that, um, but he's a big guy. And I think when you see a guy like that, you think, I don't know, the first person that comes to mind is like Todd Bertuzzi, right? Um, minus assaulting people. But you think, you think a big, Oh, and Nolan personally, if, because I'm a Sharks fan, you see a big guy like that and you think, okay, he's going to be able to muscle his way around and, and do some stuff. And, and he just hasn't yet. And I think with Kirby dog, he comes in with a predetermined idea of who he is. Cause he was the a top five, possibly top three draft pick. Um, three. Yeah. He was third overall top three, three. Yeah. So he comes yeah. in with those high expectations and it's not like, I hate the argument when it's, a guy who's in his 12th year. And it's like, well, he was a former first rounder. It's like, how long do you get to dine out on that? He's yeah. only been, it's only been a few years. Um, so he really is still a, a young top three pick. He didn't get off to the start he wanted to in Chicago. Um, and then I think a big thing for him is that when you look at how they acquired him, they got rid of Romanov, got the 13th pick. People probably a little bit were like, okay, maybe they want somebody in this draft to build for the future. And instead flip that around for Kirby Doc. I think that's hard to swallow because I feel like Romanov was starting to come around and he ate big minutes and, and we'll talk about him later, but he ate big minutes for the defense and a high end defensive prospect. Isn't something the Habs have had since probably like Sergachev who they traded away as well before he played. So it's a tough, tough go when you come in under those circumstances. And when you get off to the first start, you've never played with any of these guys um, and Suzuki's out. So you're kind of like tabs as the number one center sort of like in, in everybody's in looking theory. at you. Every, everybody is looking and he's like the biggest guy on the ice for the team other than Slavkovsky. <laughs> so it's like everybody is looking at you and it, it's tough. But I think, I think for the Habs, letting him 
sort it out and, and figure out a groove. And maybe he doesn't become a 90-point center. Maybe he doesn't become a 70-point center. Maybe he becomes a 60-point center who's good at defense or something like that. Or he fills in a role. I think that's what the Habs need to figure out. And this is the perfect season to let him sort it out. Because they did sign him to a contract. So he's there. And they kind of, Hughes and St. Louis and Gorton and them, they, they need him to kind of work out. Because he's... Yes. Is a big price tag. They, yeah, it is, and it, that's the thing. It's a four-year, but it's like the money seems a little bit bridge-like, like based on you know he's getting paid third-line center money, and they're hoping that he turns out to be more than that. And so we are going to talk a little bit about speaking of you know allowing people to figure things out. We're going to talk about we're going to do our three up, three down, and that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, I want to tell you about something that I use to sort out my own health. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to take control of my health. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. And it is the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. Literally all the things. They are all the things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health just like I'm doing and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements and all kinds of stuff to look out for your health. Just one scoop in a cup of water. And to make it even easier than that, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free tra travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. While you were, while you were doing that, speaking of adaptogens, uh, I, I was just thinking about Doc too and how he's played better the last couple of games. I think, I, I think if you've watched him, he's fitting in more, but I think you got to give him about like 20 games at the start of the season to, to figure out what's going on, especially if, well, you read off who's injured at the beginning. It's like Suzuki's hurt and Dvorak's hurt. And like all these guys have some, some nagging injuries, plus it's a new season. I think if you give him like a little bit of runway at the beginning and try to figure it out, it'll help him long term. But I think that's kind of what you got to do right now and just let him marinate sort of rather than just be like, well, clearly we need to move on. It, it's it's not going to work that way. I don't think with him, for instance. Yeah, that's something to honestly, I just I've. I've try to withhold judgment because it's too early. He's coming back yeah. from an injury. He's, you know, he was on a really bad team. I'm just trying to withhold judgment until I see some actual effort put into him, right? Whether they like put him on the right lines or whatever. And then I want to see if he improves over time. And that's kind of how I'm looking at the season as a whole and every player as a whole, right? Like there's some guys here that are veterans that are probably not going to be around when the team is ready to contend. I'm looking at the young players and I want to see better habits each game or every week. I want to see them look better. I don't care if, you know, they're not beating the world right now. Yeah. And like Evgeny Dadnov, thanks for coming out. Uh, he's <laughs> clearly not going to be around, but if he, he's actually played fine. Um, yeah. And, and he's had some really good games actually. Yeah. He's like an actual, and it'll be, if he's with, if it's Caulfield, Suzuki, Dadnov to the season top line, he's the adult there. Yeah. Um, 
I don't, I don't know, take that for what you will, but he, he's been around the NHL. So it's like, for him, who really cares what he's doing at the end of the day? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, he's probably going to be traded at the deadline if he plays decent, if not $5 million free dollars next season on the cap. So a guy like that. But like a Suzuki, who's uh, the captain and becoming a, a veteran quickly, it's like, well, you need to bounce back from your last season because last season I know the team was bad, but like let's let's see a little improvement in something. So I, I think you're spot on when it comes to Doc, especially because he's got there's a lot invested into bringing him back to being the third overall pick. He didn't just magically forget how to stop playing hockey. Exactly, that's exactly it. Um, but some people who seem to have forgotten how to play hockey, uh, we're going to talk about our three down. As you know, every Monday we do our three up and three down. This is kind of a challenge for me because I didn't see the games last week because I was on a work trip, but. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the down. The one thing that uh, I was actually mercifully spared is having to play the Ottawa Senators four times in the preseason. I think that the optimal number of times to play the Ottawa Senators is zero. I think. <laughs> yes, it's particularly bad when you play them four out of your last five games, including three in a row. That's just like, that's just like asking for bad things to happen. Yeah. Like injuries, cheap shots, drama, off ice, like, you know, fans interacting negatively. Like, I just, I would rather not have to play the Ottawa Senators than have to deal with any of that. Uh, and I, I do think that, you know, one, one thing, I, I understand why in the preseason, a lot of times there will be some teams that, that they just see each other a lot, right? Like, it's the preseason. It doesn't matter. They're close to each other whatever, manufacturing rivalries or when they go to, like, different places in the in the world or in Canada, like, you know, the, the Canadians were in Newfoundland, right? There's like, there's, there's, like, a reason for it. But I just, I don't like it because that's, I, I feel like rivalries in the NHL used to be really fun. And now what they've become is just, like, this, this competition as to which fan base can just be the worst. That's, that's what rivalries are now, right? Like, who can be the like the like literally most annoying fan base ever like it's yeah. not like like Leafs fans would bully us right like that's not something that that's fun anymore right like there's no chirping there's no, no good naturedness it's everything is personal everything is really just unpleasant yeah and it's like rivalries should become sort of organically I understand trying to like force some rivalries on you like as Ottawa gets better um and Montreal gets better that's a natural Thing. Buffalo can probably be thrown in there too, and especially if they have history um, in the past. But like, it's tough when, like as you said, it's a race to the bottom. Who could be the most annoying? It's like when, oh, well, Shane Pinto is better than everybody on the Habs. It's like, well, that's obviously not true. It's Shane Pinto. He's not that good. He's perfectly fine, and he's young. But he's like, he's clearly not better than Cole Coffey. He's clearly not better than Nick Suzuki. Yuri Slavkovsky clearly has a higher ceiling. So it's like. What are we even doing? And then when you play them four times, three in a row, it's just the same thing over and over again. And then you get like Tim Stutzla and other guys who are diving up a storm. And obviously, Brendan Gallagher has dove a lot in his career. There's nothing to be ashamed about. It's just a fact of the matter. But it's like it's what sports. It's, it's what happens in sports. That's what they do. Yeah. It's and and it's like now. So instead of one game where Tim Stutzla takes three dives because a stiff breeze came over, now. The next game carries in. Well, what are we going to do about him now? And it's like, now another guy dies. And then you get the last game where, like, that Kalestich, Kalestich, or whoever their game <laughs> is for, for Ottawa, it's like now he's dressing in the lineup and the Habs aren't dressing any of their guys. So, like, what's the point of even watching this game to watch Arbor, Jackeye, Jackeye? Jack so it's, it's a tough one to say on the, on the moment. But now you're watching Arbor, Jackeye have to go out there. And instead of trying to make the Habs 
he's trying to make the Habs to be protector of the realm. And it's like, <laughs> well, maybe just play some defense because there's nobody else on defense. And it's, I don't understand why they play so many games of one team. I understand maybe one or two because you're close by, but I've always maintained if you're going to play eight playoff games, have like two or three of those against like your Leafs, your Sens, your close by. But then pick a division, pick a division, like pick the Flyers. The Habs and the Flyers only play a home and home or yeah, whatever, exactly. or, or the Predators. Who cares? Pick a team that they don't see often and play four games against them. Play three right. games against them. Split it up with teams that you're not going to see that often. And, and you don't have a history. That, exactly. Like who cares if the Habs and the Predators play or Habs and the Stars or Habs and the Hurricanes. I was going to say Lightning, but they kind of have some history. But like Habs and Capitals, they played in what, 2013? I think in the playoffs, like who, who cares at this point? It, it doesn't matter now. So like just vary it up so that you're not coming into the season already pissed off about another team because they're being annoying. And you've had to watch the same stuff. Like it's frankly boring. I watched all those games. They're boring after the <laughs> second go round. Like, okay, you're playing the senators. Awesome. I'm going to watch Josh Norris do the same thing that he did last game. And I'm going to watch a bad goalie. And I'm going to watch Thomas Shabbat be the only competent defenseman on the team. Like, it's just yeah. boring. Switch it up. Do something else is my yes. personal opinion. And it sucks for fans everywhere. Speaking of goaltending, Caden Primo is not doing a whole lot to kind of get himself back into the Habs conversation for whatever reason. He can figure it out in the AHL. He can be phenomenal in the AHL. But then once you bring it up to the NHL, something happens. Like something happens to his brain. I don't know. He suddenly remembers that he's a seventh rounder. I honestly, like there seems to be something decision-making related missing when he gets to the NHL. I don't know. That goal that he let in, <laughs> where it goes like, <laughs> he goes out on the butterfly and it goes like right over his pad. It was not a hard shot. Most of the listeners probably could stop that shot. Uh, it's one that you have to make. I know that like every shot can go in and that's why we get pucks to the net and just shoot uh, on goalies. But like, that's one, if you want to be an NHL goalie, you've got to stop. And I think, Obviously, the Habs locked up Jake Allen, but they do need a long-term goalie, right? So they it's need, like they need an answer for when you know. Now that Carey Price is is on his way out, if not out already. Yeah, and it's so. So who do they have? Like this season's going to be what Jake Allen and Samuel and Montembeau. Yeah, that's the plan. That's Caden, yeah. Caden Primo has been given a three-year leash, right? He's he's been given a three-year contract. And so he's got some time to figure it out. They're giving him the time to figure it out. But I do feel that he has to figure it out this year or he's just going to be played out of the conversation. Either he's going to become an AHL goalie full time or the Canadians are going to trade him because there are some guys in the pipeline, right? Like there's Dovish, there's uh, D-Show, like there's, there's some guys that are a few years away, but they're showing promise now and the Canadians are being more patient with them. So I feel like with Caden Primo, even though they've, given him a you know a longer contract and some time and money and, and security he still needs to figure it out now because otherwise he's just going to take himself out of the conversation he's he's the next man up so to speak like samuel montembeau is not a long-term answer he wasn't even wanted by florida at one point and that's they don't really they're not really a goalie factory um especially when he was there so it's like <laughs> neither of neither of those guys and jake allen's frankly just on the wrong side of 30 at this point or is he 30 he's got to be right yeah yeah, yeah. So he's, he's an awesome he, he's guy. The, he's just, you know. Oh he's yeah. Just, yeah. He's not the future answer. No, father. Father time is undefeated. Plus, like that contract is going to be very tasty for when it's due up. I think next year or whatever. To flip they did extend him, and I can't remember yeah. what the terms are, but it's still tasty. Yes. Yeah. So as as a veteran backup, go try to win a cup. See you later. But they need somebody, and and 
do you think that the Habs, if, if Caden Primo can't figure it out over, because really this year he's got to show something, I think, um, especially because if Montembeau or Allen get hurt or need time off, he's the guy coming up. Do you think the Habs just pull shoot and trade for a goalie when they become two, three years down the line, when they become yes. good? Yeah. yeah, they'll either trade for a goalie prospect that's showing promise like this year or two, three years down the line if if one of those other guys that I mentioned aren't ready. Because they're, like I said, they show promise, but they need some time, like NCAA in Europe. So, like, you know, there's a lot that can change between now and then. But, you know, I don't think that Caden Primo is going to be, he's going to be the backup goalie. Or, sorry, he's going to be the starting goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens once they're ready to go back to the playoffs. I really don't see it happening based on what he's done so far. Yeah, and that's why kind of, like, the clock is ticking. The three-year extension is three years, but, like... I, I feel like the way that Hughes has conducted the team, like look at Romanov, you got to think if there's a good deal and he can get something else, he's going to make that move and, and, and try to help the Habs. And I, I don't really think he wouldn't hesitate to keep Primo or, or, or trade him. I think I think that's really just, hey, we have a good option. And, and when you, the Habs haven't really been in a, in a position to draft one of these high-end goalies over the last couple of years, either with Kasa and Wallstead and Askarov. Like, you're not taking a goalie one last year. And the year before, like, Kassa and Wallstedt went in the middle of the first round. And they're not – they haven't really been in the spot to take one of these goalies. So they got to hope that if Primo's not working out, maybe they can draft one in the fifth round, like Lucas Dostal or Dustin Wolf kind of plan. But even then, you're now looking at three more years. So I think Primo probably is on the way out if he can't figure it out this year. I think that's a real – because he'd be a good person to add to a trade. At like the draft, um, yeah. team throw it goalie. in, throw it in, throw them in, yeah, throw them in. Uh, and speaking of you know, other things that need to work themselves out, the defense is still a question mark. I'm still not sure what the Canadians are going to do this year. Like, Joel Edmondson is out, the only veteran they really have, I guess, Chris Weidman, you can kind of count as a veteran, is Mike Matheson, who can't do everything himself. Right. And he's got like, you know, he, he, he showed a lot in, in Pittsburgh last year. He did really well, but he also had like the right defensive partner. Right. And he was in the right situation. And he did also have slumps last year. It's not like it was all smooth sailing last year. So I'm looking at this defense and I know we're going to talk a little bit about a couple of the players that are good or promising uh, in our next segment. But I'm just I'm still not sure what the Canadians are going to be doing this year. Like, I literally don't know what their defensive philosophy or strategy is going to be. Yeah, because, like, well, how dare you? This is Davis of Art Erasure for veteran presence. (laughs) (laughs) I always forget him. I feel uh, bad. That's fair. That's fair. Um, If you think, like, the top pair is going to be Mike Matheson and Chris Weidman, okay, not not world beaters, but I don't That's a pairing. I don't know if it's a a good pairing. pairing. It's just a defensive pairing. Yes, and I think their second pairing is much more promising with Caden Gooley and Davis of Art. Gooley looks like he's ready to be the guy and Savard's got the veteran presence. But like after that, you don't have Jeff Petrie anymore. You have Joel Edmondson who's out. And we talked about Romanov earlier, but Romanov, I know he was young and he made mistakes and things like that, but he played a lot of minutes and he was also brought up through the Habs system and played minutes in the Habs. He was familiar with the other players on the team. He, he could be, he's probably not your 1D or your 2D, but you, you can interject him in different places and, and be fine it's totally fine and now that he's gone your top guys are Savard and Weidman and Matheson and now Gooley who if Gooley turns out to be 1A who which it looks like he's going to be that's fine but he's still a rookie and then your bottom pairs choices are Justin 
Justin Barron, Madison Bowie, uh, Jordan Harris, and then Corey Schooneman. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure how to say that last name, but Corey Schooneman. Just waivers. Or just waivers. Put he's also on 20, waivers. put on waivers, but he's also 27 and hasn't played in the NHL. So it's like, okay. Well, I mean, he has, but just very short last year, right? Yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, like a full, like a, yeah. Like, like no, split. he wasn't one of the, yeah. He was, he was the first call-up for a lot of games, and he, you know, the Canadians clearly liked him because they kept him on, but he was an AHL, kind of. You know, people mm-hmm. kept saying, like, what about Corey Schooneman? It's like, you see him come up when there's injuries, but you don't really see him in the full-time lineup this coming up. And we do have some positive things to say about the defense, and that is coming up in just one moment. All right, let's talk about the three up. It is Monday, after all. Our three down was really depressing, so let's bring it back up a little bit. Um, one thing that we did talk about before the break was Caden Gooley, and you called him the absolute truth. Uh, I, I I'm very impressed with him. I, I'm very impressed with him. I, I actually had predicted that he would play the bulk of the season in the AHL this year because I wanted him to play top pairing minutes. I wanted him to get those minutes because I do think that he is in the top pairing conversation for the Canadians going forward, but he's been doing everything to stay. Like, I think, I think he's done everything to, to stay at the NHL level. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that they will send him back down if they have to. Uh, But I'm, I've just been so impressed with, with just how mature he's looked, how good he's played. Uh, how, you know, how much of a revelation he's been really like, we knew he was a top prospect for the Canadians, but he's the one that seems the most ready at the moment when you look at the way that they've all played. Yeah. And I, I think him being ready now is just a bonus to the Habs. Like let's, let's get him in there. Let's get him playing with frankly, everybody who's 20 on this team because everybody's basically 20. Um, but he looks, he looks like a top four defenseman already. Um, what that means long term we don't know because he's going to make mistakes as a rookie but like you can have a rookie like Caden Gooley come in score a handful of goals um be able to hit the power play be able to play penalty kill not be a disaster in his own end you got to think that the Habs are like okay great we can lock this guy in now as a top four next year move him up to a top pair or even halfway through this year if things go sideways have him play 24 minutes a game and see, see what happens but I don't really think they have any other options especially two-pronged attack here he's played so well that you can't get rid of him and b they don't have a lot of other choices so it's like sink or swim and he's swimming and it just he looks so good on the ice and getting him in the teens of the 20s like that's such a good pick especially for a guy who was just like big smash you in the whl um if he can if he can be like a 10 goal guy like now, now you're talking about like a real defensive prospect the Habs haven't had in a long long time he just he does look like the absolute truth. He's going to be awesome. Yeah, and I'm very excited. Like he did, I think when he was drafted, a lot of us were kind of not disappointed, but we were just kind of like, here we go again. Just like a big guy who's a shutdown defenseman, right? But he really proved us all wrong with his offensive game, like how hard he worked. And I think that trade in the WHL really did a lot for him, right? He went to Edmonton mm-hmm. and really, like, that allowed him to really blossom and really grow. Um, and I've been very impressed with the way that he's handled himself, the way that he's played. And another person I'm very impressed with. Sorry, did you have any other thoughts on on? Well, no, no, no. I was just saying, like when they took him at 16, I remember like talking to a, a lot of scouts he've had on, like Scouch and, and those kind of people, and they're like, well, it might be a bit high for his skill set, but like 
If you look right after him, Lucas Reichel, I think he's going to be good with Chicago. Dawson Merce is obviously good with New Jersey. But Braden Schneider is the next defenseman up. He could probably better him. Shakir McModelin is not good. Um, then you've got like Chinnikov, Lepierre, Forrester, Zary, and then Justin Barron, who the Habs also have now. So it's not like it's not like they passed on some amazing person. All these people are kind of figuring it out. Dawson Mercer obviously looks really good, but they needed a D prospect. So it's looking like the pick is like maturing quite well very quickly. And it looks like going to be a W for the Habs long term, especially with who was right behind him. Right, exactly. So I do think that he's going to be on the top pairing, and I still maintain that he should play top pairing minutes in Laval if they can, unless they want to play him top pairing minutes in the NHL. I mean, go nuts. The Canadians aren't supposed to be good anyway, so who cares what mistakes yeah, he makes? Yeah, like, like 12 minutes a night isn't going to cut it. If you're going to do that, send him to the AHL and play him 23. Or, exactly. like you said, just play him 23 on the half. Like, who, who else is taking those minutes? Mike Matheson feels excitement. Nobody's ever been excited. About it. It's like getting a gray car. Nobody's ever excited about a gray car. It's like Mike Matson. Awesome. No offense to Mike Matson. I'm sure he's lovely. No, I mean, he, he like, seems great. He's, he also seems like a lovely person, but, you know. But, like, it's just, you're not excited yeah. about Mike Matson or Chris Wyman. Like, you're, you're just not. You're not. I, I like they, they seem like good guys. That's what that's what we're going to leave it at. Uh, all right. A couple more players that we're, we're doing our three up. So, Owen Beck, to me, uh, I was not surprised that he got an entry-level deal. I thought that he looks like one of the best prospects the Canadians got in the last couple of years, not just the last year. Uh, his floor is incredible. Uh, and then his ceiling, God knows where that goes. But I just, I love every single thing he's done since he got drafted by the Habs. Like he's got this like self-assured way of playing. He doesn't make mistakes. He has that hockey sense that we talk about Nick Suzuki having right? He can see the play ahead. He's really not, he hasn't done anything to me, uh, for me so far to be disappointed at this pick in any way. In fact, like the fact that he went 33rd overall, like he could have gone first round, right? I think the Canadians did a great job with him and in this preseason and the fact that like I was, I was literally at work and I got a text. Yes, it was from Scott um, that he got his entry level deal, which, you know, if anyone listens to the po- this podcast, you know that Owen Beck is Scott's favorite prospect I was just I, I was just um so thrilled for him because I think you know he just seems like he has done what it takes everything that he does is like improving his own game or improving his hockey sense and all of that so I just I I'm so excited about this kid I know he's going back to the OHL I'm I'm just I'm excited to see what he does you know like maybe next year maybe you know we're having this conversation obviously we're going to be following him in the OHL we're going to be talking about him especially Scott won't let me go maybe a week without talking about him so there's definitely going to be some Owen Beck talk but I just I think that you know the last person I was this positive on was Caden Gooley before the draft so this is how I feel now like I'm I'm so positive on this guy yeah and if you can get if you can get like, I mean, like, you're thinking after his performance, you're thinking top six for sure. Um, yes. If you can get that at 33rd, that's such a heist. Um, he was top 10 on the final rankings. He was top 10 North America skater. He was 10th, actually. Um, so he came with a lot of pedigree, and getting him at 33 is quite a draft coup, especially with how quickly he looked like he could fit into the NHL. And I, I don't think there was any real chance that he was going to make the Habs. I mean... It became more of a conversation halfway through the preseason. You're like, well, actually, this could, uh, <laughs> this is this a little something here. But I, I don't think you throw that kid, like he's 18, 19. I don't think you just throw him in the NHL to, to lose a bunch and, and 
figured out because you can't return him. You have to keep him. So I wouldn't be surprised, though, if he goes back to the OHL and dominates, which is what you want to see. You want to see him dominate because if he goes back and is like 0.8 points per game, you're like, well, ugh, probably want to see a bit more. But if he dominates, why not have him on the Habs next year? There's, there's no rules that says you have to put him back down in the juniors for another year. Once you dominate the junior leagues, I'm a big believer that you just go to the next level. And with yeah. the rules, you can't go to the HL. So just put him in the NHL. Who cares? You have you have room. That and all's leaving. There's going to be guys like I don't know Dvorak and, and stuff like that who might be gone. There's going to be room for a guy like that to to learn and grow. Um, and it just gives you another insurance policy if Kirby Doc doesn't. And if- exactly. And finally, we're going to talk about a player. I mean, at this point, I'm kind of just pandering to our listeners. Arbor Jack, I everybody oh, yeah. like our listeners love him. Uh, I, I mean, I, I, I love him too. I've been very impressed with him. I really have. I truly have. And I think um, he's done a lot to kind of really bring himself um, into the conversation to be on the Habs full time. I also. Do, do you really, put him on the Habs right now? I think Games so. on. Games tomorrow, I think. The opener game is tomorrow. Uh, it's or like when now? you're listening. It's Wednesday night, I think. It's the 12th. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would. I would put him in the starting lineup against Toronto. I would. But. That's partly a function because if you look at the rest of their defense and who's injured and who's out and all of that, I think that that's part of it. But I do think that I think that he will play the bulk of the season in the AHL, but I think that he's going to get a lot more NHL time than you would have expected before the preseason. I think a lot of people, actually, a lot of our listeners who follow uh, Hamilton or who followed Hamilton closely, um, they were saying the whole time that he's more than just, you know, just a face puncher. He's more than just some, some like tough guy. He's, he's got like real, real defensive skills. And that's true. I think sometimes one of the criticisms that we've had of him is that sometimes he forgets that and he just wants to, you know, he wants to stick up for his teammates and things like that. And like, you know, so I think that part of the thing that makes him a likable player is also something that he needs to learn to rein in a little bit and he he said it himself you know I don't want to be known as just this like tough guy this goon or whatever I want to be known as a as a defenseman as an NHL caliber defenseman and I think he's he he can play on the Habs this year for sure you know yeah and it's almost like the guy that's too nice you you meet those people that are too nice you're like well that person's gonna get taken advantage of and then like a year later they lost all their money in a Ponzi scheme it's Mm -hmm. like you're too much into protecting your teammates, which is fine. I'm all for beating the daylights out of domestic abusers. That was sick. But like, I think we talked about that when we playing the same team. And I, I mentioned like Kolesich or whatever that guy's name is, gets put in the lineup. Now Arbor, Jack guy gets taken off of his game of where he should be working on outlet passing and exiting the zone and doing the little things that a coach is going to love. And instead now he's frothing at the mouth for, fighting somebody to stand up because he knows that that's what's going to do because he's played the same team four times in a row. But when you watch him, when he's not trying to fight guys or teams aren't just taking runs at people, you can see that there's something there and something NHL like about his play. It's not, it's not a guy that's a fan favorite. That's kind of just a plotting AHL guy that comes up every once in a while. And you're like, cool, sick. Um, there there is that, something. He's there. got that skill. Yeah. And I think he's smart enough to figure out what to do um he's not he's not lost he doesn't look lost is the big thing and that's a big thing in the nhl too is when you're in your own end you look lost like i'm a sharks fan and i just watched matt benning look lost in his own zone for two straight games um (laughs) so if you don't look lost and you can make those those safe plays that a coach likes like martin st louis is not going to play you if you're just a turnover machine and jake allen's getting shelled 
And Toronto's going to be hard, but if you can get it out, you can make those safe plays and soak up 12 minutes because, again, he's not Caden Gooley. You don't need to play him for 25 minutes a game. If you can play him 12 and get good, solid 12 minutes, why not? And it's fun. The, the season sucks. They, they're not good. So, like, just give the fans something. Give, the, yeah. give them something to be like, yes, I love Arbor. This is going to be dope. Um, thank you, management. And if he doesn't pan out, he was never in the plans anyway. This is found money. So yeah, he, he is. He's literally found money. He was undrafted. We all know the story now. He was undrafted, working at Costco, and the Canadians uh, ended up signing him. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I see every positive thing this season is just found money, right? You know the Canadians are going to be bad. You want that high draft pick next year. You want them to make progress, though. So every time you see a player that shows promise and that they're like, you see that the Habs are developing him and he's doing the work and he's getting better, you know, whether it's like little habits or big strides, for me, it's all found money at this point. So season starting soon. Um, in the meantime, that was our three up and three down. And that is my friend uh, Kyle Demetrius helping me out in the absence of Scott, uh, Kyle, did you have any parting words for our listeners? Uh, if somebody called him, somebody called Arbor Jack the Kirkland killer, which really made me laugh. Um, <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, that's so but, good. but, um, my former podcast host, uh, co-host JD said, uh, somebody asked about like tanking for the season or whatever. And he said, aim for the Bedards. And if you miss, you'll land among the Fantillies. Cause there's going to be like seven guys that are going to help your franchise, not just Connor Bedard. So, Aim high, but you're gonna get out of until you're Braden Yeager or Benson or Matt 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 Vimichkov. So suck yeah, as uh-huh. hard as you can and then <laughs> go forth and conquer after that. Yes. And please figure out what's gonna be the future of this defense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because at this point it's all a question mark. Uh, thank you so much, Kyle, for sitting in for Scott all the way from Australia. I hope um, you know, I did take up too much of your time. No, I'm gonna go uh, cook some kangaroo and uh, yeah. Is that for real, or are you just doing a stereotype? It could, it could be. Who could? Who could? Who could possibly know? <laughs> I got alarmed for a second. Uh, and if you want to find Kyle on Twitter, he's at Kyle Demetrius. And if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at L O underscore Canadians. I am at the actor St- Stick. Scott is at Scott Matla. Uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Please subscribe. And Scott will be back tomorrow, and we'll talk some more about development. Thank you so much. See you next time.